The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Gregory Ajid, and uh, will you all help me welcome the wonderful Darian Douglas in the house. Yo, yo, what up, everybody? I'm over here pushing buttons and turning dials, trying to make sure we live everywhere we're supposed to be. Greg, it's good to see you. What's going on? What's... How are you? I'm good, man. You on a you on a road. I told everybody last week you was on a road with Michael uh, Bubbly, and so we happy to to see your face again. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to have a night off and, and be able to spend it here with you all at the uh, the Working Artist Project. Yeah, bro, absolutely, man. We're going to get right into it, y'all. We are definitely a little late tonight, and it's my fault, you know. I was on uh, I-95 coming from Pennsylvania, and uh, no, nah, it's not my fault. It's Greg's fault. But <laughs> <laughs> You know, you have to be ready for the unexpected when touring, and uh, we just hey. appreciate your flexibility. <laughs> that's right. That's right, baby. That's right. So tonight, we got the one and only Christian on the podcast and uh you know she is definitely what i like to call just quite frankly a beast greg she's a beast man i heard she's a beast i heard she's a a wonderful storyteller and has mastered the art of marketing and and putting i guess a a narrative to um i don't like maybe products in the most positive way but (laughs) yeah absolutely and i you know i was i was gonna get to that she you're right man she she's worked with all kinds of people from you know, let me see. Let me let me look at this list. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. All kinds of like Vibe Vixen, Clutch Magazine. You know, just just that's just to name a few of the great people that she's worked with. And um, yeah, without further ado, y'all, let's get Christian Richardson on the Working Artist Project. What's up, Christian? <laughs> but look, man, welcome to the show. We I want to like pick your brain today. Like what Greg said about marketing, branding, and storytelling, because those are three things that musicians and artists are generally terrible at, and you just happen to be great at it uh, as as an artist yourself and as a as a businesswoman. So, we we can which one you want to dive into first? Um, you pick Russian roulette. All right, branding, because you know what what's up with branding and what is what's the secret. I think a lot of times that people think that branding is just a logo and that's one of the biggest misconceptions first and foremost a logo is an element of your brand right it's just a symbol of your brand but it shouldn't like everything shouldn't rest or fall with your logo right because logos get dated logos can be busy sometimes logos start to mesh together and look alike like that shouldn't be your end-all be-all a brand on the other hand is everything that a person would identify with your products or how they experience you or when they hear you a sound a taste a smell it's all those things a brand is like if you could take your senses and turn it into something to buy and sell 
that like that's what creates a brand, right? That that how people experience something that you're buying or selling or or doing. And so, you know, that's how I really approach branding. I think about just the overall, like when I experience this or when someone describes me how someone wants to experience this thing that you're trying to market, like let's name what that is. Let's compare it to something. Is there a memory attached to it? Like, is it a happy memory? Is it a determined memory? Like all of these things. And so once you can figure that out, then we can start to think about like that story around the brand and really take your customer or your audience on a journey with you. Like you really want to have people create some sort of emotional connection that makes them feel tethered to it because then now that has that brand that you dreamed up that was in your head and a part of your identity or your experiences becomes tethered to someone else. And that's now a loyal customer, right? Or a loyal fan or, you know, whatever it is. And so I think I wish (laughs) that more people, especially like entrepreneur, like performing arts entrepreneurs would take some time to really understand that and figure out what's their brand, what's their story. Cause you know, the music is one thing, right? But that's not really why people are always connecting. Like people are connecting to a concept around the music, around the product. That's what really keeps people coming back because they want to feel tethered to you because you are the product. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. Um, I, I always try to explain to people that, you know, half the reason why a Beyonce ticket costs $500 is is not because of the music, but yeah. also you're paying so much because like when you get to tell your friends like, oh, I'm going to sit front row at Beyonce, it like means something yes. too. It's and, an experience. Um, but yeah, you know, so I was like wondering, maybe we be kind of cool. You, you're talking about so many amazing concepts, and I was maybe wondering, like, just maybe the three of us could brainstorm through this together. But maybe it's like it's like a particular artist or or brand that maybe we could kind of like dissect into, like maybe like how like what is Beyonce's brand or what is what is uh, I don't know, like somewhat like like what does that look like? Yeah, I think like what's so interesting about a Beyonce's brand is like she has mastered the art of making something for everyone like the everyman so her brand like literally something for everyone even the people that hate her like that's a brand they like now you all are committed to being in this club of folks that spend your time dissecting Beyonce in a negative way but you're giving her you're giving her the time you're giving her the platform you're giving her the attention so like in every way she's turned into an everyman or like even someone who may not necessarily be invested in her music. Maybe they're invested in the way that she does business. Maybe like they have, because she's branded herself as a boss and as a businesswoman. So now you're bought into that. And now because you're bought into that and you want to be a boss like Beyonce, now you're invested in the things that make her a boss because you know, you want to bottle that something, something for yourself, or maybe you're invested in, I don't know, being a diva, right? Like she had a whole song campaign around it and all of us were into it and beating it. Like maybe that's what it is that you're now invested in. Or it could be that you really do enjoy her music and you're a fan off the strength of that. Or maybe you love how she dresses or how she dances. Like she's literally found a way to strategically infiltrate her way into different pockets of anybody's experience, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And now you're sucked in and now she, and then not even just that, but she's also then become like the prototype for doing anything. Right. 
like anything comparatively, like a career, a marriage, motherhood, like you, a veganism, like you named it. She's found a way to figure out like how to get people to attach themselves to a piece of who she is. Right. And I think like there is the magic in that. You know that that's that's interesting. Before I are you a Beyonce fan? By any chance? I'm. I wouldn't call myself a Beyonce fan, but I'm not a Beyonce hater. I think that I enjoy Beyonce in a very normal, healthy way. Okay. Right. Just like, want, just, just want to make sure this this is not a you know this is a no no no. I think right. I would call myself <laughs> like I would I would say that I listen to Beyonce in the same way that I would listen to I don't know like I don't know. Like Brandy or Monica, like just uh, okay. they're part of the, my musical experience from you know from ever, right? But not like there's no attachment there. All right, I, I can trust you. I can trust you. <laughs> I, so I see if I see you on Twitter the Beehive next week, I'm gonna call you out. But yeah, no, I, <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't ever think that I've experienced a fandom like that. I take that back. Yes, I did. I felt that way about Left Eye from TLC. Yes, okay. I do have that type of fandom. So I have okay. that kind of crazy fandom, but I'm not right. I'm not in the Navy. I'm not in the Beehive. I'm not in any of those, right, those cool. things. So to, to to me, before before you come in, Greg, the, the most interesting thing to 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 find in this equation, this Beyonce equation is how can you how can Greg do I that? Think- how can Greg oh. become the poster child? Because Greg loves to run. That's a part of his brand. So, like, how does he combine running and the clarinet? You know what I mean? Does he strap it to his back? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying because Beyonce has, has mastered that kind of skill, right? Yeah. But you also have to, like, think. I think that Beyonce, people look at her and think and see the whole package and not recognizing that this is a something that's happened over a span of, like, 15 years. Do you know what I mean? Like this, this did not happen overnight. Like it started with the group and the music and performing. And then as she evolved, she was able, like other doors were able to be open and she was able to like expose, not expose, but just to show a little bit more of herself, attach herself to, to other interests and other things. And I think like, that's another thing, like brands naturally progress. Like as they grow, they grow in a way, like if you're paying attention, they grow in a way that they're supposed to. And if you are keen on some of the ways in which your uh, your audiences have attached themselves to it. Sometimes they've added things to your brand that you didn't even want to add, but it's now there because that's what your audience said, right? So it's like, you can do one of two things. You can fight it or you can figure out how to make it work for you, right? So if Greg is a musician and people become fans of his music, right? And now they're more interested in him as a person and they find out that he likes to run. And because he likes to run, they want to know now what type of shoes does he wear when he goes running. And now that they want to know what type of shoes he wears and he buy, and they're now buying these same shoes, maybe that shoe company would then notice that there's an influx in sales all because Greg wears this brand of shoe that his fans love. So now we need a contract with Greg to help us sell more shoes. You know, like it's like that. And that, and I think like that's what I mean by like a brand story evolving and things like that. So, you know, if you lay a good foundation, I think that it can grow, but you also have to be open to the fact that even with your good foundation, like things will continue to spring up that weren't necessarily a part of the vision before, but how are you going to make it work for you? I love everything that you just said, and um, I can't wait to get my new running shoe endorsement. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that's, that's, 
I guess as you're saying all this, you, you were kind of also talking about how um, in, in branding, we're, we're also like kind of, we have a story and we're also developing our story. And I guess as, as a lot of artists who would be listening to this, or at least at some point in my life, I was really afraid of coming across as inauthentic or selling out maybe. And so I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about um, how as an artist, like, like, like how much of the story is concocted and made up to create a brand, how much of the story is authentically who we are as people, and then how do we how do we balance that? Maybe like creating creating our persona, our public persona, without feeling like we've sold out. Yeah, I think the best brands really are really are built off the strength of who we are at our core, right? It's just a matter of leveraging who we are and staying true to it, and developing something around that and recognizing like that's our thing it becomes inauthentic when you start to try to go into other avenues that don't feel like you or if it's just not something that really is a part of your you know your regular or if it's not something that you would normally do but now we're just doing it to help to push something that's i think that's when the level of inauthenticity comes along because like you don't believe in it and now you're being an actor right and now like it just it just doesn't translate in the same way it would as if it were organic or if it were true to self or if it were like a piece of, of something that you've pulled out of like your, your toolbox or your toolkit. Because I think like as human beings, we're very nuanced. We have hobbies outside of like the one thing that we, you know, as aside from the one thing that we present ourselves to the world as, right? I just think that maybe sometimes they don't get to know it because it's not a part of us that we expose, but that doesn't mean that it's something that we don't do. It's just, it wasn't something that we introduced into the avenue where we're working on this like one thing. But sometimes, like I said, as people start to show interest in it, especially like in the age of social media, we're nosy. We want to know everything. We can't just know about one thing. We have to know, like now we know our favorite artist and we know they're releasing an album. We got another birthday. I need to know their sign. I need to know their charts. I need to know where they were born. I need to know their parents' names. I need to know where their parents were born. I need to know who they're dating. I need to know like what their diet is like. I, like we just, I think like once that happens, then people begin to, again, like attach those things to you and your person and whether or not like you realize it or not, that very well could be a strong piece of you that it wasn't something that you really thought was a part of your personal branding. It's just something you did, right? So I think just being able to really recognize those things about yourself and figure out like, how does that translate to you as the business, especially if you're an artist, like you, you are the business. Like, and I hate to say it like this and I'll probably get heat for this. Fuck the music, fuck the paintings, fuck all that. Like, it's great that you do it. And I know that you love it and you're passionate about it. But I can promise you, nobody's going to be as passionate about your art as you are. I promise you. But you know what they will be passionate about? For some reason, you, you, the product, you, there's a whole beehive now. There's a whole, like, the whole day they build these fan clubs around these people. Like, Rihanna has not dropped an album in God knows how long. And her fans go nuts right still for her still like crave anything that she's putting out she can clip her big toe and sell it on ebay and someone buy it because she is the business like savage fenty is her business like you know fenty beauty is her business 
like all these things are her business, but the reason why people are buying them is because they want to buy a piece of her so that they feel connected and feel part of her, the experience, right? And I think like that's the difference between branding you, the performing artist, the entity versus, you know, a pack of gum because you really are just selling a product, right? But with you, the person, you're selling everything. Like, and I think that that's the problem. A lot of times with artists, they think that they're selling the thing that they made and no, that's not the case at all. You're selling way more than that, whether you realize it or not. I want to talk about the other side of that coin and, and I'll tell you a story, something that happened to me personally from a person I followed who who I didn't realize this until now, but you 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 shine some light on my shit. So you know Kevin Hart, right? So when Kevin when Kevin Hart had his whole Vegas fiasco with the woman he was cheating with, like I kind of was like, I liked his comedy first, way back to Soul Plane. You know, I followed him over the years, this and that. And like when he became a family man, I was like, yeah, man, that's I like, I like that guy, man. I want to, that's kind of dude I want to be. And then when he cheated on his wife, I still love him. But when he cheated on his wife, it really affected the way that I consumed Kevin Hart. And so isn't that a prison though? Because it doesn't leave people room to be human. So I think, that, oh, sorry, go ahead. Ah, go ahead. I was, I personally think that we create our own prisons. That's how I feel, like in, in some ways. Um, it could be a prison if he let it be a prison, right? Like if he felt beholden to it or he felt like he had some sort of obligation to be this thing that someone has dictated for him or if he, if he wasn't leaving himself room to have human experiences, right? I think like that's what it is. It's your brand. You get to control it. Like, you get to change it at any given moment by either your interest, your behavior, whatever, and the world will adapt. So it's either your fan base will adapt or you'll acquire new fans or like, it, it's very, it's very transient. That's why it's like a story, right? Like it's like the never ending story. If you, if you're lucky enough, if you have longevity, it's the never ending story and you get to add new chapters, you get to, you know, switch out characters, you get to do all of those things you, you just do now you can't always control like how your audience receives it, which is why like you make art, right? Just like anything you can't control the critics like it or not. You can't control what they write, but you can control your intention going into it. You can control how you feel about it. You can control like those elements. So I think like, yes, it's twofold, but your feelings, right. About Kevin Hart don't make him any less of a family man. It's just that he doesn't family man, maybe the same way that you family man, right? And maybe the things that you value and how you maneuver them and hold them up, like they may not necessarily be aligned, but that also doesn't mean that um, like his brand still isn't somewhat intact. It just means that now it's transitioned in a way. It's like another thing that's been added to it. He is a family man who has been caught cheating on his wife. 
And now gets to make a special about it. And we all get to participate and go along in the journey on that. And guess what? While you might not relate or you might not, um, it might not be something that you personally feel an attachment to. There is a gentleman out there who absolutely does and probably is now a fan as a result. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's fluid. It's very temperamental. And I think, um, which is which the most interesting thing when you think about like marketing and branding for people, because people are, we're predictable in a lot of ways, but then also we're also not like not right. So I think it's just having someone in your corner who is good at taking those pieces of us that are always ever evolving and figuring out how to organize your story for you in a way that's palatable for an audience and consumable too, in a lot of ways. Like that's the goal. Can I ask, I know we've been like, I guess I, the idea of like, like, um, Kevin Hart, like, you know, cheating on his wife and things like that. Th that's like really like, to me, it's a situation that is kind of removed from his body of work and in terms of like who he is as a, a celebrity. And that that's more like into his personal life and things like that. But do, do you think it's possible to have that separation and, and be a public figure or a brand and then also not have it be based on your personal life or, or keep that out of the mainstream? I think it depends on what we're talking about. If we're talking about something where, you know, I don't know. I think like with his wife, that was just like a very, uh, it was a very personal thing, right? But then you have artists like Robert Kelly, who, where people like to separate his brand and his, mu like, well, his music from his behavior, but his behavior is a part of his brand. It's literally like also then baked into, you don't have to look too far to see that, is baked into his personal brand and his and his artistry and all these other things. But we love to we love this idea of wanting to separate them because it suits us, right? Because and I think the reason for that is people feel, well, if I separate it and I can say that, oh, I just like this artist, but not what he did, then there's nothing like there's nothing inherently immoral about me, right? But if I still like him, uh, knowing that he did all this and it is attached to his brand, then what does, and I've attached myself to his brand and I feel some sort of kinship with this individual in this way. Well, then what does it say about me? So kind of like what Darian just described, like how he liked Kevin Hart. Oh, he's a family man. I connect with this. And then he did this in America and Darian felt some immediate disconnect in a lot of ways, because for Darian in terms of like his personal brand decided no, no, that's not me. That's not a part of my moral compass. So he's no longer bought into it, right? So it's easy to say, oh, yeah, we can separate the two. But really, no, we can't sometimes because we have also then attached our identities to the pieces of this person that we think we see in ourselves. And it's very hard to cherry pick. It becomes harder to cherry pick, you know, depending on the magnitude of some of the the less than um, stellar attributes. But I think I think what you said earlier too was was really beautiful too about kind of a lot, we're all in control of our own stories and the the salvation is kind of just streamlining the story within ourselves and out out like out into the world. So if you want to be a cheater, just be sure you're cool with being a cheater. And if that's the right. thing you're going to project into the world, it's there's going to be an audience for you. But I guess we get these conflicts is where you put put forth a, a good boy image 
and you're doing bad boy stuff right. at night, <laughs> and then you get. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> the bad boy. Like, why are we just not leaning it? Well, I mean, unless it's like illegal and hurting people, and you know, but I mean, usually, but you get what I mean. Like, go on ahead, lean into it, but just understand that this is what this is the territory that it comes with. Like, these are the things, and will there be a place for you somewhere? The internet is wide and vast and never ending. Someone somewhere has bought into this and is buying whatever it is that you're selling. Hey, you're just, selling so y'all, just, just so y'all know out there, everybody listening to this, um, I don't fuck with R. Kelly. I ain't listening no. to none of his music. Since right. I found out, don't write me no emails. I don't right. write, write Greg the emails. I don't listen to R. Right. Kelly. No, <laughs> I don't and even I, know who R. Kelly is. No, and neither do I. I'm just using him as an example. As we know, like there have been mass debates on the internet with people who like, refuse to detach their fandom from this person because they feel that they have able to disconnect with the man from the music. And I'm like, but the man is the music. Like, I don't know any musician that doesn't feel attached to that identity. Like, I, I can't. Not a serious one. I don't know one. Well, you just ruined all the jazz. <laughs> like, okay. and, 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 I mean, yeah, we ain't even gonna go there. But anyway, <laughs> I just. I, I, I want to get into storytelling because to me, storytelling is probably the most important element of of like everything when you're in business. And and r- immediately the, the best storytellers, and, and I tell Greg and I to add conversations about this, to me is Apple. You know what I mean? Like I'm not out of the, the Apple ecosystem all the way, but the phone, people are so like they have brainwashed the world to think that they have the best phone. They used to, but they no longer do. But somehow the story they tell, they show the cool people on skateboards, your ass don't even skateboard. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want to take some picture of your pasta. Why mm-hmm. do you need a I why do you need a $1400 iPhone? Let's talk about storytelling. That's all I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. I think like what Apple their storytelling is so powerful because it's a human story. And it's like, you really do see yourself in these stories. And then it's also like a story of possibility, right? Like we love nothing but the idea of possibility because possibility is motivation enough to get up in the morning and do this shit all over again the next day. The possibility of creating a piece of art with just your phone like the ease of knowing, like if I wanted to, it's possible for me to be like the next, you know, Gordon Parks on my iPhone or the next, I don't know, whatever, just like in my back pocket, like the idea of ease and possibility. And they have able to bottle that and capture it, which then, especially like as adults, gives us like the hope that imagination and creativity has not left us. You know what I mean? And that is a beautiful and powerful thing. And so anybody who feels that way, yes, of course you want to buy an iPhone. Of course you want to be a part of that. Of course you want to be able to contribute and experience that. And I think that, that you know, that they're really, that it really is saying something because now, because of our phones, what are we? We are a culture of creators. We are a culture of content makers. It's not all good content, but we all have the ability to make content because, and just because it's not good today doesn't mean that it won't be good tomorrow. There's always a possibility that, you know what I'm saying? We can go viral 
or we can make a movie on our phone or we can do this. And I think like Apple tells that so well. And like, if you just get this new one, the possibility like that, that, that margin of success, like, you know, becomes even wider because now you got the new gadget or small or whatever, you got the new gadget that will help you even more. It just took like all the barriers and the hurdles, you know, uh, and, the, and reduced the learning curve so much more. So now like the possibility is even greater that you can, you know, be the next whomever. So I think like that's what it is for Apple. And that's a damn good story because who doesn't love to think about the possibilities of something great? I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, Apple sells possibility. And, and it's funny because I actually just recently switched back to an Apple iPhone and I saw this meme floating around. I don't remember. It was like on like Tinder memes, Instagram or something like that. And it's just like, it's a, it's someone gets a text in a green bubble and the response is like, I don't mess with people with green bubbles or something like that. And you know, it's funny, like Apple has created, I think has created an unbelievable brand and what you're saying, Darian, like, yeah, this got skateboarders and I don't even skateboard, but, um, but it's selling right. that like, <laughs> to me, it's like it, the Apple brand is not really about the products, but it's about what it, what, what do, what am I telling the world by owning, owning these products? And like, when I pull out my Apple laptop, I'm like, you know, everyone knows that like, I have a little bit of disposable income. Everyone knows that like I am maybe like what you were saying, like the possibility of creating something is there because that's to me, Apple is like on the cutting edge of creation. You know, when when I pull out a Dell laptop, no one's like, holy shit, look at this innovative dude over here. (laughs) No, no. When you pull out a Dell, you're like, oh, look at this accountant. Exactly. (laughs) He's an accountant. Like how, how, how do we... As artists, like for instance, you look at like take take Second Line Arts Collective for instance. This is our brand, mm-hmm. that's our logo, and this is our podcast, and we do a lot of shit in the community. How do we become Apple? Like how how do we get to that level of storytelling? We I think besides you really, hiring you, you know. No, <laughs> I think that you really have to think about what's the emotional tie there for you personally, right? Like let's identify that first. What is that emotional tie? Um, whether it's based on, I don't know, your relationship with music and access to it. Oh, I'll tell, I'll tell you what it is. I can tell it's, I'm going to, I'm going to speak for Darian right now also, but both, both Darian and I had amazing mentors when we were younger and, you know, we both, I, I think, you know, Alvin Baptiste changed my life and put my life in this trajectory to do all these cool things that I've been doing. So I think that's, that's the, the and you know, he, Darian's start, story starts with Al Fielder. And so I think like, that's the, that's the uh, inception of our story as a brand in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. c- creating this, the, the emotional connection. And for us, it all starts at this emotional mm-hmm. place of like, you know, being grateful for the opportunity that someone else provided. And I think that that's great, but like, let's take it even deeper, right? Because there are lots of people providing lots of opportunities, but there's something distinct that happened in that relationship for you to like, feel so connected to it and feel that it was so life-changing. You know what I mean? Like whether it was something they said or something you noticed about how they moved or, you know, or something you felt like would have just been like no one else could have delivered that level of mentorship to get you to where you are. I think like really connecting with that and being able to speak about that and then like tying it back to the story of like how you want to create 
like that flash in the pan type thing, that the connecting moment, then for up and coming creatives, I think like that's it because you have to find like the magic in it, right? Like what's the piece of that dynamic that was magical? And I know it sounds like like over romanticized, but that's literally like how I get to the core of telling a brand story that people just feel like they want to latch on to. But, and I think like, that's it. And then you take that and you drive with that. You create your messaging around it. You create experiences around it. You create programming around it. Like that, you know, that's the thing. Um, I work with, I'm lucky enough to work with uh, a woman in DC who owns a spice shop. It's called the Spice Suite. And, you know, when we first started working together on her brand story, like neither, neither one of us knew the story that we were telling, right? But just working closely with her and listening, uh, Angel, her name's Angel Gregorio. If you're ever in DC, please go to visit her shop. It's a wonderful space. It's more than just a spice shop. It's literally, and we say this all the time, it's an incubator for dreamers. Um, and just listening to her talk about her story, what she wants to do in the food space, like what it means to be a black woman who mixes and, and melts spices and travels the world and what it means to be able to really dig her heels into black food culture and create like a love letter around that. Like we were able to take that and, and bottle it into a brand story that people really do feel connected to and want a piece of that magic because then when they read it and they see the product and they see the videos and they see the labels and they see the blurbs that, you know, connect them to pieces of nostalgia from their childhood or from whenever, you know, wherever, like that's when they're able to pair and match off on that. And so I think like, that's what it is for any brand is find the magic because that magic is the bean or the seed that grows into, you know, it grows legs, right? And then like from of those legs, you're able to build and continue other threads to the story. So the Spice Girl, uh, Spice Sweet then grew into the Spice Girls, which now became a space where other women can come and also set up uh, shops free of charge and, and work in or and be in the space. Um, it's like, it's always like grown legs because the brand story was just so strong that we were able to add chapters and we were able to add sequels and all types of things. And so I think like that's where that comes in. That, that's man that's so powerful i'm just sitting here y'all and i'm thinking to myself how in the hell do we go to university for music and they don't teach you nothing about marketing branding and storytelling they just teach you what a what a a7 sharp 9 11 flat 16 13 15 86 is and like that doesn't mean shit to me <laughs> and that don't that don't help pay no groceries do it greg mm-hmm. <laughs> you know man i think i mean I, I totally agree with you uh but you know i think I, what I try to tell all the young people I work with is like, dude, you got music on one hand and then you have business on the other. And the, like what um, what Christian was saying earlier is like, people don't give a shit about your music. Like that's that the branding has nothing to do with the music. And once your your art is like of a certain quality, it doesn't matter how good it is past that point. It's all about branding. 
And I think it's important, like as, you know, I think, you know, I, I, we have a little bit different views on on school, but I think school serves the purpose of like giving you a baseline education of like what, just what music is. And then, and, and that's what it, you know, that was the purpose it served. And unfortunately we have to figure out how to make money. And those two things have nothing to do with each other, you know? Yeah, well, I, my point is this, is that I think that they should in, figure out a way to integrate the two things. Because to me, to me, it's a marriage. And if I'm going to pay you money for an education, then I want ho- the whole education, not half of it. And right now we're giving artists, not just musicians, painters and mm-hmm. filmmakers, like, you know. Dancers. You know, dancers. Anybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did, yeah. What, did you, what did you study in school? I know you want to talk about your school. Go ahead. Oh, me? Oh, oh, well, oh my school? <laughs> my school? Are uh, we talking about the illustrious Howard University? Oh, where is that again? Where, oh, please. <laughs> in the greatest city in the world, obviously. Washington, D.C., Chocolate City. The home of Go-Go and Half Smokes. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so funny enough, I studied journalism at Howard, which helps with storytelling, right? Um, just really having the basic, the basic foundation of knowing how to tell the who, what, where, when, and why, but then also um, really focusing more so on like editorial pieces than just hard news. I think editorial and an opinion and stuff like that really present an opportunity for you to do creative writing somewhat, but really just try to connect to an audience. And so I think that that was helpful. Um, I did a stint in working in digital media. So I've written for Pop Sugar, for Vibe Vixen, for Essence Digital. Um, And then slowly but surely, I switched over to doing public affairs work first in a government fashion. And then, you know, in industry. And so now I get to do that uh, in my current role, but with a focus on telling the stories of BIPOC people, which is near and dear to my heart. And I'm so happy and lucky that I get to do it every day. It's a struggle, but I get to do it um, every day and amplify those voices. So, but yeah, Howard, I think like, if there's one thing that Howard knows how to do, it knows how to brand the hell out of something, like brand the fuck out of something. It clearly worked on you. That's all I'm saying. Right. It clearly worked on you. <laughs> they, we're good at it. Like we, there's a reason why we're number one. I'm just going to say that. Like there's a reason. There's a reason. There is. There, there just is. So. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think it's I so, know. it's so amazing how you can just, you know, you kind of just, again, like you can just say where you went to school and that brand of Howard is so strong that people can make a lot of inferences about who you are as a person based on mm-hmm. the brand of that institution. Right. That's it's a part you, of my brand story. That's what you're paying for. Like, <laughs> right. Well, and I think too, it just kind of goes back to what we started with. Now mm-hmm. it's a part of it's it's a part of my brand story, right? It's a significant part in a lot of ways, but then it's also an insignificant part in other ways. Like my brand story is I'm a Howard alum. I am black. I am a woman. I am a wife. I am the wife of a musician. So there are like all these different things that 
make up me as a human and not like one is more significant than the other, but it depends on who you talk to and what environment I am is a thing that a person is going to latch on to. Right. And I just have to be keen enough to figure out, okay, this is what they've latched on to. How can I grow this part of my story or my voice to create product and earn revenue because people have not already bought into me. Right. So you all I don't mean like you all specifically. I just mean like what I've noticed in like the musician community, particularly the Black American classical community. Um, I have noticed that you you lead with the product and not the brand story, but really like you could easily flip it. You know what I mean? And you could be the worst musician on the planet, but I promise you, someone will buy into it because they have just already bought into you and they won't care. And, you know, and, and, and I think like it's disheartening and it's frustrating because the best of the best spend their time focusing on the product, right? But then you have the people who are the best of the best who focus on the best of the best on storytelling and then the product can be mediocre at best, right? Um, and honestly, depending on who you ask, you're both winning, right? It's just... Someone is winning creatively and the other person is winning sometimes financially. financially. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, you're, you're at, you, you hit that nail right on the head. You know, I, I think because I want to get to the third piece of this equation, which is marketing and the marketing part is the selling part. Right, Greg? Oh. And so I think musicians have the hardest time with that. Because they, like you said, they spend so much time in a dark cave playing their little horns. When they come out, they forgot how to talk to people, so they can't even really market and sell this thing. What, right. what, what, what is it that they can do, or we can do as a community to, to, to you know, to get better at that? Ooh. So I think it's well. For, I'll just focus on this community in particular. I've noticed that it's very insular. It's not doing you any favors. You know, um, I hear the other things that I've heard, you know, over the years and just like various groups, especially like in the hangs is, oh, well, no one cares or no one respects it or this, that and the third and the other. But it's just like, I can help with this. Um, jazz musicians, I always tell my husband, like, I have this theory that, you know, how like, in like high school culture, like in high school nerd culture, right? You have the folks that are into like Star Wars or Dungeons and Dragons and Star Trek and stuff like that. There's tears to this, right? Dungeons and Dragons to me is like the pinnacle of like serious nerddom sometimes, like the costumes and all this other stuff, the language, like the culture, Jazz musicians, you all have you all have the tendency to be the dungeons, the dungeons and dragons community of music. You do, you just do, <laughs> like, and it just becomes very insular, where outsiders have a hard time latching onto it because that's not necessarily like their identity. Not that it's your identity, but like it doesn't consume their lives or their person in the way that it does for you all. Like it does because you're passionate about it, right? You're passionate about it. This is your bread and butter. So you want to know everything and you study people and you start to hang, you want to hang with the greats and you really want to be like insulated in this culture because you recognize that by being here and being fully in, 
and fully committed, it makes you the best. And it does. It works. But the problem in that is now it's like you're speaking a different language from a mainstream audience who might dabble in Dungeons and Dragons. They may dabble in Star Trek. They love a Marvel movie when it's coming out. They, like, do you get what I mean? And so that's when it becomes a little complicated because now the only people that you know how to market to is yourselves. Um, and I think like that is the hurdle that a lot of you have to overcome, at least is what I'm noticing. And I see it a lot, you know, like I said, in even sometimes the way that you may like write or position the music for mainstream consumption, not wanting to, to compromise or, you know, and I'm not saying compromise your person, but you just have to be, you have to, it, I think you have to be honest about what it is that you want to achieve for yourself musically and then figure out what that then looks like and figure out how broad of an audience you want or how small of an audience you want and then be strategic about it from there. You know, and, and I think like that's what it is. Marketing is strategy. It really is. And you have to be willing to play the game if you want the financial gains that we're talking about because they just don't always come by not being strategic. And that honestly is the cut and dry of it. That is gold, gold right there. <laughs> That's, that sounds like me in class. Uh, and I'm just glad I didn't have to say that. Um, it's important <laughs> for everyone listening to this to also remember that when you make your amazing jazz CD, your jazz friends are not going to buy the record, you know, just like your jazz friends are not going to pay $35 to come see your show because they know the door guy and they're going to walk in for free. And mm -hmm. so it's, that's, that's again, like one of those weird tightropes that we're walking again, like as a community, we're just trying to impress each other. And then we end up in this weird place where it's only us checking out each other's music and we're not able to make those connections with other people. And I, and I think that's a big part of creating great art and marketing. It is like, again, tying this all back to the beginning is like creating connections with people, whether that be through the music or through the, our brand or not, and our story and things like that. It, and it can be like a little thing, just like, like by smiling at someone, you know, I don't know. It doesn't have to be some, this big old thing. <laughs> Yeah, like, so, you know, as you know, I help my husband a lot with a lot of his stuff. Um, and it sounds so trivial because it's all like really surface stuff. And I, and I don't mean to trivialize it or trivialize like how I see my role or see my job or, or you know, but at the same time, you'd be surprised the things that people latch on to despite all this wonderful great work that he does and the thing that they chose to latch on to was the fact that he has locks i'm like okay <laughs> but that's a lever right now the locks have become a lever because they are a part of his identity and then you'd be surprised oh now they're attaching themselves not attaching themselves but they're connecting with him because he has a beard like and all of these things are, again have literally nothing to do with him, the musician, but now it's become a part of his personal brand. And it's something that even though like people may not have listened to, to jazz, now they're gonna listen to his album because now he's to do with the locks and the beard and I want locks and a beard or I like guys with locks and beards. So I'm gonna listen to his music. And everything about that sounds ridiculous and just incredibly simple and, uncomplicated and in a lot of ways it is 
But, you know, it's just, it's weird the way that, that people come to things, you, you know what I mean? Or um, I remember another time there was a photo of him that went viral because he was a black man standing in the snow. Like, and so, do you know what I mean? Like, you can't, sometimes you can't call it, but I'm trying, I'm telling you, like, those things about you that people have come to, like, like identify or make synonymous with you, whether it's how you look or a, 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 just an element of your physical attributes or how you think and how you speak, you know, um, like all those things. Like, for example, it may be Darian. Well, you, you probably don't know this, Greg, but I hate summer. I can't stand it. I, I talk about it all the time. You don't like summer? I hate summer. Yeah, oh my god! Yeah, oh god! Oh she, no! She from above a basin, Dix. Anything above Mississippi is a bait. They they don't. It's hot as hell. Like you all live in Satan's sauna, we and the tropical. sauna is in the sunroom. I can't. I can't deal with this. It's fucking hundred degrees outside, and you motherfuckers like, yes, yeah, summer. What? Are you not melting? But anyway, but people know this about me. Like it's, and then like when I started to go through, um, you know how like Facebook has like memories pop up. Like my memories were popping up and it was like literally around the same time this year. I was talking about that same thing. I was like, well, it's on brand. That's yeah. me. So, yeah. you know, don't like, don't ask me to don't, I don't know. I don't want to go to no festival with you. It's 102 degrees outside. So like, these are things that are on brand for me. So people know that. The, the, um, remar- I, the, rem- the remarkable thing is you're on this show right now today because of your brand on Facebook. I saw you talking about this stuff on Facebook and I was like, you know what? I got to get you on here to, because you were so articulate and, you were, and also very passionate and, and not, not afraid to fight anyone, which which is... Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh shit, that's you. you. I was like, you got to come on this show because of that. You know, we're, we're, we are coming to the end here. Um, before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the people how they can connect with you and you have your own companies and, and where they can find you and how they can hire you and give you give you all their money. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, my Instagram got hacked a while back. So I am rebuilding. Um, but you hit me up on Instagram uh, or you can shoot me an email. But my hashtag handle is at the household or co. Actually, I don't even know. That's how new it is because, like I said, I got hacked. But it's household co. Household spelled H-A-U-S-H-O-L-D. Like as in household brands, household names, you know, household. So you can find me there or you can shoot me an email. It's Christian, spelled just like the religion, at household.co. That's it. it. So y'all go check that out at household.co. And, uh, and and write Christian, dropping Christian's DMs and talk about how much you love the summer. And uh, <laughs> don't even get me started. I love summer. Oh my god, I can't. I'm tired of this shit. Like tomorrow, what's tomorrow? The 21st. Fall cannot get here fast enough. Like I need for. I'm sorry, but I just think that 70 degrees and it is an acceptable temperature. Let me just tell you, uh, after after Hurricane Ida, we didn't have power for like seven or eight days, and everyone in my house was just complaining and complaining and bitching, and and I was just like, "Yo, it's so nice in here. Shut no. the fuck up." No, it is unacceptable. Brent can tell you, I get irritated and I get very agitated if I'm hot. Is I just can't. I cannot. I can't yeah. function. I'm tropical, so I love it. I'm with you, Greg. You know, I hate the snow. I love the summer. 
and uh, you know that's the beginning and the end of that. If 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 there if there was a one gym, one gym you could give all creatives about mm-hmm. the work that you do, what what would that be? Ooh, um, I would say whatever story you're telling, make sure it's cohesive. Do not be all over the place. Commit to a concept. Carry it through. Like, if you're releasing a body of work, right? And this is the body of work for this season and the body of work is thematic in a way, stick with it so that people can ride that wave with you. So that people can ride that journey and that concept with you. Stop, you know, being all over the place with all your graphics, with all your elements, with all like your your person and your style. Commit to something so that people can get to know it and they can savor it. And then when that moment is gone, then you can pack it up and move on to the next thing. But really like commit to a concept, commit to the story, commit to that moment and be in it. You might be in it for a year, but that's just what it is. But commit to it until you've exhausted it. And that's it. Wow, that's that's so heavy right there. Oh, no. That I that hit it. hard. That hit hard with me. Commit to your <laughs> commit to your concept, baby. I love it, man. And see it through. See it through. See it through yeah. to the end. All right, listen, Christian. Thank you so much for coming on the Working Artist Project. Yeah, we, we couldn't have chosen a better guest. Like, really, I loved it so much. Well, no, I appreciate you for having me. I appreciate you being patient with the fact that I was late and I just cannot get it together and that I don't have a mic and it's echoing in my house and my dog is barking. But hopefully this was helpful to someone. Um, You know, and honestly, the other thing that I would say before we go is you're not going to get it right all the time. You're just not. I don't get it right all the time. And I've been doing this for a long time and some of it just comes natural. But I just, I trust my instinct and I know if it feels right or if it doesn't. And if it's not feeling right to you, then maybe it's time to just take a step back and collect yourself and you'll find your way back into it. But it really is just the rhythm. Like just get into the rhythm and, and it'll be okay. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, y'all. Well, look, man, what you got, Greg? Go ahead. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. And, you know, it's been, you know, like, hey, you don't have to apologize. Everything you said was just golden and right on time and right on point. So thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas. And I'm Gregory Ajid. This is the Working Artist Project. And uh, we'll catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace.